Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is time for a counterpoint. We've got our guests all locked and loaded today. A couple of newer voices. Well, we've had Jillian before. Jillian Smith joining us, associate with Hill and Knowlton Strategies. Hello there. Hello, Alex. And Abhijit, and I'm going to. Monet? That's right. Oh, I got it. Good. First time, deputy leader of the Green Party of Ontario. Great to have both of you in tonight. Thank you so much, Alex. I, we probably will agree on this one. Well, maybe we won't, but I, I think we will. But Tara Lynn McClintock uh, serving a life sentence in the rape and murder of eight-year-old Tory Stafford now wants compensation for her unfair treatment because, of course, when she got uh, transferred to the Healing Lodge, people freaked out in this country and she was abruptly sent back. And apparently she's not too happy with her new living arrangements. And she feels that uh, she should be compensated for her loss of liberty. I'll give you first crack at this, Abhijit. Uh, do you feel any just justification for this um, monster getting anything? Uh, well, I first before before I start, can I just give a quick shout out to my parents because it's their 30th wedding anniversary nice. today, and uh, they've been very gracious and kind to wait for their son to finish the radio segment before joining <laughs> Sorry, for dinner. Mom. Sorry, mom. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Um, yeah, just in terms of uh, the question being asked, um, I think uh, you know a lot of the times the courts of public opinion guide the actual courts um, in in their judgment, uh, but I think. Based on Canada being uh, such a morally civilized and advanced country, I think we need to make sure that we don't mix vengeance with justice. I'm okay um, with it in this case. Yeah. I got to be honest. I, I I just I just think that you know some like there's there's a fine line and often that line is is breached. So I think I think um, I think we have an independent judiciary for a reason, and I think uh, they, their their decision needs to be respected. Really, I don't know, Jillian. Like th- this. This is a woman who should never have been in a healing lodge. This is a woman who killed, uh, let her boyfriend rape. I mean, she was a part, she was a willing participant mm-hmm. in what happened to Tori mm-hmm. Stafford. And the fact that, she, you know, her rights always seem to outweigh everybody else's, it just doesn't sit right with Canadians. I, it definitely doesn't sit right with me. And I and all I can, the only person I can think about right now is Rodney Stafford, her dad, yeah. and what he's going through and what he will go through mm-hmm. every single time something like this comes up. Like, this is a preview of what her parole hearing will be like in 2031. And I think about uh, the the families, the the French and Mahaffey families, Mm -hmm. who've come forward and said, we've now spent our entire lives reliving the horror of our daughter's murders. And we're now afraid because we're coming to the end of our lives. And who's going to keep up the fight on behalf of our daughters that we lost back in the 90s? Like it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point is that, you know, our laws are a little bit old on the books. Maybe it's time to change the 25 year, which is supposed to kind of represent a life. It no longer represent a life. So people like Michael Rafferty or Terry Lynn McClintock, they can get out probably by the time they're 50, 55, and nothing would surprise me with her, given that uh, they seem to be doing more rehabilitation than they are justice in this case. Uh, let's talk about the Amber Alert. It did go off overnight. Were either of you awakened by it? I, I was. You were? Yeah, yep, I was, was too. And yep. I was not. Uh, so this went out overnight. It was uh, for a three-year-old who had been allegedly taken by his mother. Again, police inundated Again, by calls to 911 because people were angry that they'd been woken up. They wanted to be taken off this list. Now, the child was found safe. But is it time, Jillian, 
to maybe start charging people that if you call a 911, you're going to get a charge on your on your cell phone bill because it it just absolutely eviscerates 911 and puts other people in danger. Absolutely. I mean, it's common sense. You know, if, if you don't want to get disturbed overnight by anything coming in over your phone, just turn, mute it or turn it off. Or do what I did and yell at my husband, why did you leave it on? <laughs> and then go. go back and go back to sleep. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, it's when it doesn't go off and there's a tornado, right. um, you know, that I think a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I could have used that that alert. But the point is, if you're so put out by the fact that a child's life is in danger, I think you've got bigger problems. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's pretty disgusting when people complain about these things because and and, and um, I'm sure there's also an option on your phone to disable uh, the Amber Alert uh, if if need be. But um, there's there's just no justification for anyone complaining about this because this is the life of a child. Uh, this is a life that we're talking about. It's, it's sacred, and we need to make sure that we. Um, uh, protect it in in whatever uh, way we can. Um, making sure that um, should we be charging people? Like you call nine one one, you're going to get a charge. Like almost like if I you... think a warning would be good because um, because there there isn't there isn't any justification for you trying to be selfish because maybe there tomorrow it could be your child. I mean uh, this is this is a public concern and police should be able to do their job not being overwhelmed by complaints but by actual distress calls. I can't imagine who calls 911. I think I've called it once and it was to report that a child in a stroller had been struck in a crosswalk. Uh, so it was for legitimate, but even then I was like, okay, this is an emergency, right? Yeah, you call 911. Yeah. But who would think to wake up and say my my sleep was ruined? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty self-centered mm-hmm. and and pretty sad. All right, let's get to the provincial stuff. Shall we? Let's do Toronto that. School Board saying it's $67 million short for the upcoming school year. Um, and, of course, their first go-to is always to go to the, we're going to have to cancel bus services for special needs kids, you know, French language. Those uh, people will have to get their own transportation. They kind of always go for the vulnerable emotional spots. Mm-hmm. There's no question there's a lot that can be cut. Without question, there is stuff that can be, you know, efficiencies to be found. But I want to take a listen to the Premier because this clearly got under his uh, collar today. The numbers that the TDSB put out was absolutely reckless. They put these numbers out to the public premature before before they even know the numbers. They're just throwing these numbers out arbitrarily. I got to be honest, they are throwing these numbers out arbitrarily. And and that's not to suggest that, Jillian, people are not concerned about what's going to be cut and what's not. It should come as no surprise to anybody that something's going to be cut. But the fact is, a lot of noise is coming out of maybes, coulds, shoulds. Like, we don't know what it is, but we're just going to say that people are going to die or jobs are going to be cut. when No one knows what their budget's going to be. Well, I mean, we saw this even before the budget was tabled. Like, right after it was, I think it was right after the, the Conservatives were elected last year, labor, the, the, the teachers' labor unions uh, started to prepare their membership for labor action mm-hmm. before anything was even announced. So it's preemptive in that sense. And think of how many opportunities we've missed in order to make smaller adjustments to the system over the course of decades. And now we've got, a, a, you know, now we have an enormous problem. Like, take, for example, uh, back in 2017, the Liberals bought 
labor peace with the teachers' right. unions. They gave them a 4% increase just so they could coast through last election. Pizzas, yeah. no receipts, yeah. hotel rooms. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a missed opportunity right there. That's just one of decades' worth, worth of missed opportunities. Well, there was an opportunity in 2012. The uh, McGuinty government commissioned a report that, uh, you know, was looking at saving about $110 million uh, over two years. And it, and it dealt with things like reining in uh, sick days for teachers. They were taking on average 18 sick. Who's sick for 18 days? My <laughs> God. But reining in the sick days, um, procurement, making sure that it's competitive and not just going out and buying the most expensive books that they were doing. There's all sorts of things that they could do, but they, they sit on millions of dollars of land. If they can't find 1.5% in savings, then they should be fired, No. Um, so, firstly, as a um, you're going to tell former, me you're an education person, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I am an education person. Um, and you know what? Those kids are little petri dishes. I tell you, they. So you know, the sick days. Um, it could be. It's totally could be justified. I have one of those petri dishes. Too. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you've got two petri yeah. dishes. <laughs> so, so I mean, I think it's it's uh, completely um, uh, fair to criticize the liberals for the inaction uh, based on the report that was released uh, in 2012. Um, uh, but I also want to uh, speak for another saving that could be done, and that is actually merging the school boards in Ontario. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that I'm would surprised save, they didn't do that, actually. Right. That's $1.2 to $1.6 billion saved annually in replication of busing administration, um, and that would save the province tons of money. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand why they didn't go that route. There's no question. You, if you, if we're going to keep with the cathedral board yeah. or the Catholic board. Put them in the same building. I yep. don't understand why we have all these redundancies. So, look, maybe this is the way that Ford goes gets around it. If the board wants to make all this noise and the Toronto board's just the biggest, Jillian, every other board's going to start making the same sounds. Uh, Ford could very well turn around and say, fine, I'll get rid of all of it. If you can't cut it, we're going to just merge it and get rid of it. Maybe, and maybe there there are softer ways of doing it. Like, why do four different uh, school systems need four sets of rolling stock, four sets of everything? You know, we we may not have to go whole bore with right. uh, with merging everything, but you know, there are a lot of ways to drive efficiencies. I think so too. I would love to, and I tried to find it today, but of course, I couldn't find it. But I'd love to know how much land we are sitting on in the province of just mm-hmm. vacant land or vacant buildings that are not being used that could very well be sold off either to build affordable housing right. or to pay off some of the bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No? Yeah, okay. That's my idea. Um, well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, dig, dig into a couple of other, other topics. We'll talk about uh, the Green Party. We'll talk about your party. Awesome. Really mucking things up for Jugmeet Singh. <laughs> uh, he's all over the place. We'll talk about that and uh, money laundering. It's driving our economy, baby. We're doing great. All that money laundering. That next year on Point on Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head with Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. All right, we are into our second round on Counterpoint. We got Jillian Smith and Abergine Monet. Saying it right still? I got Monet, it right. Monet, but Monet. I right. can be the French painter. Monet. <laughs> <laughs> in your accent. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about um, what happened after question period today. MPs unanimously passing a motion uh, to rec- recognize the decades of military service by Vice Admiral Mark Norman and apologize to him and his family for what he has been through. 
This was put forward by Conservative MP Lisa Raitt after question period. It did get backing from all parties, including the Liberals that have been uh, rejecting any kind of apology. Certainly many cabinet ministers have refused to say anything on this uh, other than there's no political interference. That's all they'll say. Uh, And of course, Mr. Trudeau left before the vote um, was held. Does this close the chapter or does this continue going on? Um, Yeah, I I think firstly, it's imperative on the government to respect the men and women who serve and um and provide us the 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 defense of the country that's necessary to protect our rights and freedoms um and so whenever that is violated i think it is a grave um misstep of the government so i'm glad that the uh, there was a unanimous vote to um uh, honor um uh, vice admiral uh borman and i think uh, as the uh, saga continues, I think uh, uh, some of the cabinet ministers are going to be questioned soon. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with that. Uh, I, I, I think I think this chapter is definitely not closed and it's definitely going to continue. Well, it's not because Admiral Mark Norman will speak without question, Jillian. He will tell his story because he made it clear that Canadians need to know what happened. Um, this to me is just political theater. It does nothing to address what we need to get to the bottom, which is that they should be holding a judicial inquiry mm-hmm. uh, or some kind of, of uh, um, you know, where someone's feet are held to the fire because the liberals can say there was no interference till they're blue in the face. I don't care what they say. That might have not been the case in the decision to stay the charges, but that certainly wasn't the case in the two years where they obstructed giving him uh, disclosure, mm-hmm. where they changed his name so that you couldn't search for it, where they were witness, you know, counseling witnesses on what to say. There was a lot of in- interference with this case, and we aren't getting those answers. And yeah, I agree. I mean, we have to hear from the vice admiral. And the, the, the part that I'm really interested in knowing more about is Andrew Leslie's story in all of this. So he's yeah. the MP for Orleans, but more importantly, he spent 35 years in the Canadian Army forces, brothers in arms with the vice admiral. And he was prepared to go and speak in defense of the mm-hmm. vice admiral before before the case was, uh, the charges were stayed, the case was dismissed. What's going on there? He's decided not to run for re-election. Mm-hmm. Well, what's happening, you know, hugging, uh, you know, uh, Mark Norman outside of the courtroom. I'm dying to, I would love to be a fly on the wall for that meeting with General Vance. I don't know how he can stay on or how, I mean, look, I think Admiral Mark Norman is likely not going to get hired back. That may be the time that we hear him speak. But if the Trudeau government thinks the story's gone, I think they are deeply, deeply mistaken. I agree. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about th- this... This is confounding to me. So we get this report out of the B.C. government last week revealing that Canada, this is dumb thing, Canada would be in a recession if it weren't for money laundering, which now adds $200 billion to our economy. Ontario is the second highest when it comes to laundering. We get about $8.5 billion washed through Ontario. And the money is, of course, being washed through casinos, luxury automobiles. But the reason we can't afford homes is because of all this crime that's taking place. And, of course, realtors are now saying, hey, look, we've got to get some registry set up. You can't have people buying houses with cash and numbered companies. But, Jillian, the fact that this industry, this illegal industry, is driving the economy of our country is is ludicrous to me, and no one in charge has done anything to stop what has been clearly going on for decades. Well, they haven't had public pressure put on them to, to, to do anything it about it. It does. <laughs> of course it does. So, you know, think about what they have to do. They have to, and, and they should do, is setting up a public registry of beneficial ownership, so of companies, of trusts, of real estate. So what it means is, of course, you want to maintain, if someone, say, for instance, a famous person wants to, doesn't want their na- it known that they live at 1237, 
Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to have privacy in terms of being able to have a numbered company own that house. However, if you have a registry of beneficial owners, it would be available to law enforcement and to government to know that it is that famous person that actually owns that house. Yeah. So what, what you do then is you, you, you uh, eliminate anonymity. Mm-hmm. And so you can't hide. You can't hide the money. You can't launder the money. Right. But what you need to do is you have to set up a national public registry. Yeah. So how well are we doing with the national securities regulator so far? Yeah. Right. It takes a lot of will by 13 different governments to make this happen. Well, yeah, but, you know, we talk about affordability in housing all the time. And I mean, the last I checked in Canada, we don't turn our eye to, to criminal organizations. But... You know, the fact that the government came in provincially and federally to change stress tests and try to cool the market. I mean, if you just tackled the crime, maybe that would help. Yeah, absolutely. As a as a millennial, I think, you know, housing affordability is one of the highest concerns uh, of our demographic. And uh, it it just hurts us in the most substantial of ways. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, the proactive action on this needs to happen immediately. And some of what Jill said uh, definitely are, are very good points. Uh, but another thing also uh, that was talked about was casinos are another conduit for these. And, you know, one of the plans that uh, Premier Ford was talking about for Ontario Place back in the day was having casinos there. So we should be very concerned about what kind of planning we're uh, introducing into our cities. Um, And secondly, also have some sort of, um, you know, um, uh, give our law enforcement the ability to crack down on these um, criminals, because uh, when there's uh, interference from politicians in in law enforcement, it leads to all sorts of confoundments happening. So like SNC? Uh, right, for one. Um, and so it's very important that political interference and politicians just need to back off yeah, uh, they, from law enforcement. They do, but it would be really nice if the R- if the RCMP or someone would just, just, you, just one of you do your job. That's all we're asking. Right. Just, and then maybe you can buy a house. Yeah, you know, that'd, that'd be, be nice. nice. Let's just uh, quickly touch upon this because this is your area of expertise. But uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh saying that his party will cut Canada's emissions almost in half over the next decade. Um, and he's really obviously trying to stake out uh, his claim in the climate to change agenda and I would think that the Green Party win in BC was the wake-up call that he needed but he's all over the place on this issue sure. today you know uh, you know he's calling on the government to declare a climate emergency he wants to cancel trans Mountain cut all aid to fossil fuels like what is he, are we like living in the dark ages like what are we going back to yeah it's uh, the NDP is is very uh, confounding at the moment so uh, provincially you know uh, um, uh, Rachel Notley was very pro pipelines mm. um, BC mm. NDP is very much um, mm, uh, pro really. LNG mm. and so it basically and and then the federal NDP is saying that no they're they're against it after the Greens win in Nanaimo Lady Smith uh, I I'm all for your opinions changing over time but in four this months. is very very timely, yeah. Um, so um, it's it's definitely an effect uh, of the green wave that's that's sweeping this country, and and I think it's important um, that we're driving this conversation. And I'm I'm glad to see that parties are are picking up. Uh, but I think. Uh, uh, Canadians need to be aware that you need you probably should be voting for people who've been saying this for the lo- for the longest time, not for people who just see some sort of uh, opportunity to 
take on a green hue. Hello, it's politics. But yeah. uh, I'll give the last word to you, Jillian. I mean, there's no question the progressives are fighting it out for this green stake. And clearly they no longer look at the liberals as the only choice. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you know, it's clearly Jagmeet's had a very poor start as a leader of the federal party. Mm-hmm. And and he's flailing. Yep. And it's, it's, evident in, it's evident in everything from fundraising to candidate recruitment to everything else. And now he's trying to outgreen the Greens. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, have it out. If the Liberals, the NDP, and the Greens all want to go after the same voters, have at it. Yeah, it's going to be a, definitely an interesting uh, interesting fight. Guys, thanks very much. Uh, your your son's on his way. He's going to come to dinner at uh, Mississauga, <laughs> Band, but he's on his way, Mom and Dad, so uh, congratulations. And I'm going to come, too. <laughs> okay, yeah. can you bring takeout back? I'd like to uh, try some of this great stuff. Thank you very much, Jillian. Appreciate it. And thank you very much. Good uh, first one, Abhijit. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you very much, guys. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.